Hello and welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Schultz. Today is day three of our look at possible draft picks on offense for the Seahawks. If you missed the first two parts that launched over the weekend, go back, check those out. And EJ Snyder is back with me once again. You know him from bootleg football. He's the co-host with Brett Coleman. You can also catch him while listening to Bears Over Beers among Windy City Gridiron's shows on the SB Nation Network. And we are talking wide receivers. Now, this is an area for the Seahawks where I, you know, if they went wide receiver early, I think people would start to have a little bit of concern on whether or not, you know, are they moving on from DK Metcalf? <laughs> are they going to trade Tyler Lockett at some point? In the I, draft? Can I ask you a question about that? Because okay. this, occur- this occurred to me the more. Yeah. It's been a hard off season for you, Brandon. <laughs> it has been hard. It's, it's, it's I, been I, a hard I appreciate you recognizing that it's been a hard off season for Seahawks I, fans. I feel for you specifically because you're a big Bobby Wagner fan. Obviously, the Russ thing hit everybody hard. I mean, everybody in the Northwest. I live in the Northwest. Uh, you know, kids at my kids' school, like the Russell Wilson shirt. Like, Wilson was an institution. He's an icon, right? Yeah. And everybody expected that to be hard. Some people had sort of started mentally to move on from Bobby, who is as big an icon on the defensive side. Some people like you uh, were, were big Bobby Wagner fans, and they both left in the same season. Are you on the same be day? Oak? Not just in the same season. It was on the same day. That, but then, but then we got. It felt extra rough with Bobby because you waited around and you thought, well, could they maybe bring him back? And then maybe they'll resign with the him. Freaking Rams. Yeah, I realize this has been a trying off season for you. So it occurred to me this morning, and you'll be, I don't know, happy or sad to know that my second thought after thinking the first thought was. Oh my God, would Brandon be okay? Like if they moved on from DK, I'm not saying they're gonna, I'm not uh-huh. saying it's even likely. If DK left, would I close this the show off-season? and find another team to root for? It would be tempting, but I wouldn't do it, EJ. <laughs> okay. I just needed to check because it was literally my second thought. I thought about that this morning, and my second thought was, oh my God, Brandon. Okay. The the players that I I love, like Russ was not at the top of the list for me. Bobby was he was toward the top of the list of, of players that I love. DK yeah. is on that list. Ty, okay, Tyler would probably be number one. Sure. Then probably Bobby and then DK. It, seriously, it's those guys on the team okay, are like my so favorite guys. So it would guys. be bad. I would I would be having to send you a, a fruit basket or a beef jerky basket or whatever it is you prefer if that happened, because that's that would be rugged. So, yeah, I don't want to be talking about wide receivers, but here we are talking about wide receivers that the Seahawks could potentially draft. And I, I don't want uh, I don't really want to be taking one of the top guys off the board. I, I could see them, though. You know, Tyler's getting toward the end of his career, I suppose, but they could add some more depth at wide receiver. And I don't want to have the discussion about who they would go to if they lost DK, but who would they go to EJ if, if DK were somehow gone and they wanted to find a guy to replace that type of receiver? Is there that guy in this draft that they could kind of fill that spot with if he were to move on? Yeah, kind of. Uh, DK physically is not necessarily one of one. He's like one of three. Well, uh, one, a guy like DK, but can actually do a three cone drill. Is there that yeah, guy? There is that guy. <laughs> uh, there are several that guys, but they are going to go high in the draft. That is a coveted position, whether you call it an alpha wide receiver or it's just X. It is a boundary wide receiver who can get deep and, you know, 
haul in those deep shots from a quarterback and and make chunk or explosive explosive plays. So there are those guys. Drake London is one that is extremely physically gifted. Uh, was the USC offense this year because USC was not a great offense, and it was you know Drake London left, Drake London right, Drake London deep. He broke his ankle. Seems like that's healing up pretty well. Teams feel pretty good about that. Physically gifted, former basketball player, 6'4", almost 230, fluid mover, uh, still sort of uh, a good football player already, but still growing into his potential. If we talk about ceiling, he has not reached his ceiling, which is the exciting part about picking a guy like that. Can go deep, um, can take a screen pass and go 20 yards by just stiff arming a defensive back. Like He's cool with all that. Uh, So he's right up at the top of the board as a tall, a large wide receiver that could be that outside guy that would replace some of that DK production. Uh, Jamison Williams, another guy with a leg injury, uh, the Alabama wide receiver who, again, came from Ohio State. Like Ohio State had the most loaded wide receiver room, I would say, in the country. And that might be pro or college um, because two of their receivers are going to get drafted in the top round. And the guy that isn't is going back to school. And he had 300 yards in a bowl game. So those three guys were in the same room. Jamison Williams was in that room up until last year and said, hey, I'm going to go someplace where I can get a little bit more playing time. Goes to Alabama for one year, is their lead wide receiver, takes them basically back to the championship game. Tall, fast, really fast, game-changing speed, dynamic. There's a play against uh, Mississippi State where he takes about a seven-yard curl, runs out, turns around, catches the ball, goes 75 yards, and there are people behind him like, not everybody can do that. Jamison Williams can do that. He has game-changing ability. So you're going to want a quarterback that can throw deep because he can get there, but uh, he's up there as well. Um, George Pickens, guy from Georgia. Again, tall, productive, SEC wide receiver. Very good at tracking the deep ball blocks like crazy, which would make him attractive uh, to the Seahawks because they do like their wide receivers to contribute in the run game. Pickens is all about that smoke. He would love it. Um, another guy coming off injury it's a common theme in this year's wide receiver (laughs) class that um but all these guys are game changers if they're healthy and then the sort of mm, more wild cardy one that is crazy on physical skills is christian watson from north dakota state and comes from a run first uh fcs program but has ridiculous physical skills he's six six, four four three speed yeah, it's 213, uh, can jump out of the gym, had like a 40 Oh, his broad vertical. jump was 11 feet. It was yeah, 99th percentile feet. for his broad jump. Yeah, his his physical profile is basically 99th percentile for wide receivers, which again is a highly athletic position. He's less developed. He has a higher drop rate. Um, he is effective in all areas of the field. They ran him on jet sweeps. They ran him on tunnel screens. They ran him on true deep stuff. And I think his real value or his real danger in the NFL are those true deep man-to-man shots because nobody can keep with him. If if you let him get out, and he's physical enough, he does block because he comes, again, from a run-first offense. If you let him get off press or he beats you physically on press, you don't really have anybody on your defensive side that's going to keep up with him. Like he is faster than all your defensive backs and he is taller too. And he can jump higher than them. So if you get him deep in a sort of man on man trailing situation, he can easily go the distance. And that's going to be his real strength in the NFL. He's going to have some things to clean up the drops for sure. Uh, He's going to have to run 
a more full route tree than he did at, at NDSU. He's probably got the most development to do, and he's not the youngest prospect either. So that worries teams. That kind of ups and the never risk worries factor. the Seahawks. They always take the old guys. Uh, I I doesn't worry me either because the bottom line is if he pans out, you're not worried about it. He is going to produce at a level that is is going to erase all those concerns. So where do you think Watson are, goes though good. in terms of? Uh, that's a great question. There's going to be a run on wide receivers. We kind of need to talk about this because we're talking about the position, talking about over-unders earlier on one of the other little episodes. And, you know, people say five is a pretty solid number. I really think it's going to be six within the first round, and that's going to cause some pressure. That's going to cause some people to panic. Mm. Can I get the guy? Do I do I wait? Do I trade up into the back end of the first round for, again, fifth-year control on the contract? It's possible. I don't think it's likely, but it is possible we see seven wide receivers in the first round. If that's wow. the case, you better have gotten the guy you want because the other reason is contracts, right? We've seen wide receiver contracts this offseason around the NFL go crazy. If you don't think teams are thinking about cost control for what is now a very price prohibitive position, you're silly. They are absolutely looking at the draft as low cost labor and if they're thinking about, oh, like I've got pick 30, right? Some team says, I got pick 30, and I'm looking at uh, a guard who might be the second best guard on the board, or I'm looking at the sixth best wide receiver, but a wide receiver-based contract is X, and a guard contract is way lower, X minus whatever, I'm going to pick the wide receiver because it's more rare. It's going off the board quicker. I have better cost control if I pick that player in the first round for five years if they work out. Um, it is going to be a factor. And it is, we talked about running back being devalued in the draft. Wide receiver is being more valued, it's being pushed up. I kind of see that as good news, especially if we're talking six or seven wide receivers in the first round and with the Seahawks sitting at the top of the second round. It'll allow some of those other positions of need for Seattle to just get pushed down the draft board. Then we can be content with DK and Tyler and the other supporting cast we have now and, and maybe see if there's a guy day three that you might like. So with that said, I do want to talk about some of the other later round guys, and we'll do that coming up next. Talking to EJ Snyder of Bootleg Football you like what you're hearing from ej and you really want to get a deeper look into their draft rankings search for bootleg football out on patreon.com five dollars a month gets you into their exclusive rankings leading up to the draft we're three shows into our look at the offensive side of the ball we're talking wide receivers and another aspect of this position that strikes me as we're talking about these young players there was the the common theme of, well, it's got to be about three years before your draft pick at wide receiver really starts to show. But now we see guys like Justin Jefferson, Jalen Waddle last year, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, yep. I mean, and these guys just come out and they're effective immediately. I don't I don't think that that, that three-year aspect to receivers is quite the thing that it used to be. No, it's gone. Uh, it The only time it really comes into play is, is players like Christian Watson that don't come from a pass-first offense. Pass-first offenses uh, have proliferated all over college football. In fact, that was the lead that caused many of those concepts to trickle up. And the other thing is the NFL has adapted, saying, look, windows are shorter. The coach might not be here in three years when you're ready to play. We need to get you ready faster. What can we do? Oh, we can pull these college concepts down. We can pull the same 
RPO bases that you played at wherever you played in college. We can put like, so they've come together the college and pro football worlds and, and coaches going back and forth, you know, wide receiver coaches from the NFL go to, you know, college football, become head coaches and, and vice versa. Like there's a lot of exchange there and it's sped up. You're absolutely correct. It's a very savvy point. It is sped up that time to proficiency of wide receivers in the NFL. And they do many of them produce in the first year. If they don't, it's typically because they came from a run first offense. They played at a smaller conference that had a less, um, either less developed level of competition. So they're not ready for the competition jump they're going to see in the NFL, or they came from a very limited playbook. They came from a team like in the past, that would have been the Nebraska's of the world, right? Nebraska actually has more of a passing offense now than it used to. Wisconsin, again, run first offense, right? Their receivers just don't get as many chances. But if you're coming from a place like Alabama or Old Miss or Notre Dame or Tennessee or Florida or any number of, of colleges now, any place in the Pac-12, you probably saw 90 targets last year, right? You might've caught 60 or 70 balls, which might've been your entire college production if you went to Wisconsin 10 years ago and you saw it in one year. So your readiness, your pro readiness to come and play receiver, same route, same concepts. You ran most of that stuff in college. Uh, we, we saw a slot receiver at the Shrine Bowl who played at UCLA. His name's Kyle Phillips. Kyle Phillips could come in and be a slot receiver in the NFL right now and get 700 yards, like maybe more the next year. But like his rookie year, if he goes to some place, we keep saying New England, right? If he goes and plays with with Mac in New England and he has a you know super accurate quarterback, Kyle Phillips will have 700 yards and four or five touchdowns as a rookie, guaranteed if he stays healthy. He's he's that polished already. So there's that jump is is not gone, but it's highly reduced from where it used to be. Okay, well, let's close this out, EJ, with an idea of maybe what my ideal wide receiver pick might be, just in terms of criteria, because I'll, I'll throw in there the Pete Carroll criteria. He does not draft wide receivers who are slower than low 4-4s. Four so if he's low 4-4, yeah, 4-3, yeah. four, 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 all the better for Pete. But I still feel like they haven't found the guy at kick return and punt return that could really Ooh. fill that need. And so if we're talking, you know, potential mid-round, late-round guys that have that kind of speed and, and fit that return special teams profile, who are we talking? Uh, Valus Jones from Tennessee. Okay. Uh, he has some real pop. He actually reminds me, gives me a pretty strong Brandon Ayuk vibe. Mm. Uh, and that's because of his return ability, because of how competitive he is with the ball. Once he gets it in his hands, the run after catch ability, uh, more of a cross route, middle field guy, not necessarily the, the tallest guy. He's not short, uh, but works the middle of the field, works the slot, uh, is both a kick and punt returner, has just some real competitiveness and drive to him, is going to be available in the middle rounds. Uh, there's a bunch of pretty good returners. There are always the the mighty might returners, right? There are several of those in this draft who are, you know, five, eight and 180 pounds, but that not typically. Yeah. And Jones um, has good size, six foot, 200. And yeah, yeah, Jones he, he is, runs a four, three. Yeah. He's a, he is a guy that I think could fit that mold pretty easily. If, uh, if Pete wants speed and special teams ability, and he's willing to overlook the vertically challenged Calvin Austin from Memphis is ridiculously fun. Crazy fast, very small, and uh, I'm here to tell you, I don't care. 
because <laughs> he can be press. He's one of those guys that good luck getting your hands on him. And if you miss, you're done. You're not catching him. He is that fast. More in the Mighty Mike category, but uh, I am I am a full, if you can't tell, Calvin Austin believer. He is He's a guy that's going to make plays if his offensive coordinator understands what he can do. And what he can do is a lot. He's EJ Snyder of Bootleg Football. Follow him out on Twitter at the Draftsman FB. Exclusive draft rankings through their Bootleg Football Patreon page. EJ, can't wait to get to offensive line. We're talking tight ends tomorrow and then looking forward to talking defense further on. So tune back in tomorrow. We're going to be talking more draft. Be sure you're subscribed so you can get notified of these episodes whenever they come out. Also check out fieldgoals.com for our draft coverage. And one of those former draft picks for the Seahawks quarterback, Alex Magoo, he threw a touchdown pass in his USFL debut over the weekend. So Wilson Kahn has that article up at fieldgoals.com. Check that out. And I will be back here talking more Seahawks draft throughout the week. And until then, go Hawks. <laughs>